This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 894. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are, yes, washing their hands and possibly also wearing their masks in indoor crowded environments. Watching the sun bake All of those tourists covered with oil Strumming my six string On 
my front porch swing Smell of shrimp there My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hi there. And joining us this week in the third chair is Dr. Ryan Haupt. I believe you mean Officer Ryan. I'm pretty offended, you guys. Yeah, uh, I know the hot dog vendor was a combination of the two of you, but the very next page was a guy named Brian. You don't think that was intentional? I don't know. Seriously? Brian? Tom King's listening to the show in forever. Was his name Brian... No, his name was Ryan. He was Officer Ryan. It's the guy who confronted the kingpin with all the swearing and the violence and the not the kingpin, the penguin. But but come on, really? You guys are happy to just be one hot dog vendor and not accept the backup of an Officer Ryan? Okay, let me ask you this question right now. Let me ask you seriously. Do you want me to check if it's actually you? Do you want to know that it is or isn't? I believe it is. And if it's not, I'm going to be sad. I've met Tom. I know. All but right, let's I, okay. Let's let's move on because we have. It wasn't even you mentioned the hot dog vendor because I know hot dogs are important, but officers of the law are important too. Well, we were welcome to iFanboy Pick Week killed. episode eight hundred ninety four. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call it the Pick of the Week. We're going to talk about those books. We're going to talk about the books we read and the patron pick. We're going to answer some listener mail. Hopefully, we have time, unlike last week. And here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution because we're going to talk about the books this week. Officer Ryan had the pick of the week. Thank you. And this week, the pick was Mighty Morphin Power Marvel Age number 1000. I was really worried you were going to make that book the pick of the week. I'll it be was honest. Pretty good. It was pretty I was good. Pretty, I was relatively. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, Marvel Age 1000. Can we talk about that for a second before we get into the yeah. book itself? Please. What the fuck is that? Because I don't know. Didn't they do it already? They did Marvel twice, they did like Marvel Universe a thousand or something like that, and they did another thousand. It's all bullshit. There, there was a Marvel Age series in the eighties and nineties. I know because I read it, and it, it was all. I cannot believe I bought this book. It was a behind the scenes series where there would be creator interviews and features about what they were working on. And like preview art, like it was basically like a comic website in comic form in the 80s and 90s. And not only did I buy it, I bought back issues of it. That's how deep in I was in 1990. Hmm. But I don't know where this fucking number comes from. It doesn't matter. Good cover. But it was a great issue. Yeah. Um, really great issue. I, I, I liked the first issue a lot. Um, so the first, so the first um, issue run- was way back in 1961. Of Marvel yeah. Age? The, the first story in this issue. It's an anthology. So um, to very briefly run through the, the gauntlet, it's a Jim Hammond Human Torch issue, a Spider-Man issue or story, story. an X-Men story uh, or X-People story, a Captain X-Men. Marvel story, story, a Daredevil story, a Silver Surfer story, a and then a Jason Aaron Thor story and then that's that's it and for me it was oh and then there's like a, a meta Stan Jack right that's the story that wraps it up this Steve Ditko story for me this pick was sealed with the Rainbow Rowell X Men story it was a great one but I do want to 
talk a minute about the first story because Josh and I were talking about this offline during the day while reading. Um, this is a so it, it's it's appropriate. The first story is a Human Torch, the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond story, because yeah. that's you know one of the original Marvel characters from the '30s. I thought that would be more related to the overall theme of the issue than it turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you read the back that Tom Brevoort, the editor of the book, talks about, he wanted it to be an overview of Marvel, touching on the major characters, and which is I think what they did successfully. I think it was a very successful issue. Yes. However, this particular story that kicks off is uh, written by um, Mark Wade and drawn by Alessandro uh, Capuccio. Capuccio. Isn't he the artist on Moon Knight, Ryan? Good question. I think he is. I believe that he married Rick Dalton uh, in Once Upon a Time <laughs> he in <did>. Hollywood. <laughs> he now has a dog. Uh, so it takes place in 1939, okay? That's when the original Human Torch was. And we see him and his creator. And the, and the whole thing about this story is that the Human Torch f- learns morality by listening to this radio show about this detective. And being a robot and not knowing, he goes to a police station and asks to meet the detective and they all laugh at him because it would be like one of us going to a police station in 1939 and asking to meet Dick Tracy. So they laugh at him. Fine. All good. The problem, Josh, do you want to illuminate the problem or should I illuminate the problem? So I'm reading this book and uh, I'm like, okay, cool. It's 1930s. You got uh, Professor Phineas Horton. That's how it works. That's kind of cool. Get in there. Uh, uh, They're talking about how how Hammond is obsessed with the radio show uh, character and 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 he he sort of finds out that he's not real. Um, he freaks out, and yeah, he freaks out. So he goes to the cops, and so in the first shot of inside the police station, there's there's some cops. You know, there's a regular sort of cop uniforms. One cop. Maybe if I was tie is half the size it should be, but okay. Yeah, maybe if I'm paying attention, I don't notice that those look more like modern cop uniforms than anything. Then uh, second panel down, you have a you have a a, a black man. Uh, with a bald head and a goatee, uh, in a t-shirt and vest, as if he's on Vic Mackey's strike team. Right. And I thought, that's kind of odd. And I moved along. It'll be fine. And then I thought, wait, does this other guy have a hoodie? And and the, then, the, then the other cop has the, the badge on the chain around his neck, again, like yep. Vic Mackey's strike team. Yep. And then I was like, wait a minute. I thought this took place in 1939. And I was like, maybe that was the beginning. And I was like, wait, no, he's there talking about the radio show. So it has to be. And it, no, it takes place in 1939. It's just the artist said "fuck it" or didn't notice. <laughs> it's like it's like no one told him it took place in 1939. He drew, he drew modern cops. Like nothing. I had the same the same thing. I was like, "What is happening here? Why did all these cops look like it's 2023?" I went and back it, and forth a lot trying to see what was going on. And it, you know, Connor, you you bring up costume yep. issues and inconsistencies a lot and it i would say it's fair to say it bothers you a little bit more than it does sure. me That's but fine. in this in this instance i'm i was i was angry not angry i mean like i, I don't care it doesn't matter you were comic angry i was but because i i felt what i said to god i was like this was disrespectful to mark wade like it came in and they saw it and they said eh good enough That's bullshit. Yeah, you couldn't shoot a, a period piece movie and then have two New York City cops come in on the set of Julius Caesar. Right. You can't put that out. Yeah, I, I don't know the logistics of putting together a book like this. And the thing is, this is Tom Brevoort editing. This is not like some, uh, you know, minor, you know, new editor. I know editors underpaid, and overworked, but this is a major <laughs> issue. This is a story taking place in 1939. All the cops are from today. It's a very bizarre 
I don't, I don't know how that happened, but that, that's just the, that was the only negative thing I had about the entire issue. Ryan, you can get back to why this was the pick of the week. I mean, I, I noticed that as well, but I'm, I wasn't on the text thread, so I didn't get it's to okay. comment, but it's, it, it is okay. But, you know, I, I, I enjoy, I don't know, I enjoy a Jim Hammond issue, and then, then I thought the Spider-Man issue following by Ryan Stegman was These are not issues, really these fun. are stories. These are stories. Thank you. Um, the Spider-Man was, was was fun. It was about him being late and then his family, and they got to touch on all the you know characters important to his life. I thought that was it was a it was a cute you know. But story. for me, for me, it was the Rainbow Rowell Marguerite Savage uh, that was story. Terrific. That was terrific. That I was just like, I yes. want a whole series of this. Well, everyone loves the original X Men, and I say that, and someone will write it and say they don't. But the, there's something special about that original group, and. Rainbow Rowell can absolutely 100% write an X-Men first class book. Oh, um, yeah. Terrific. This is a story about Jean being lonely. She's the only girl on the team and the guys are always horsing around with each other and she's sort of off to the side reading a book. and Horsing and then, around and horning around. Yeah, well, yeah. This is nothing compared to those 60s comics. And then <laughs> um, they're all basically sexually harassing her constantly. Um, uh, and, you know, this is the growing attraction between her and scott it was a terrific short story i thought this was great yeah it's especially one of the art things... where they goes weird and kirby-esque in the in the action sequence on page uh 29 yeah. it is Fantastic. one of those things now where like i have been a fan of rainbow roll for a while and and she's I great about it, but but like when i see every time her name is on a new comic thing it's even more impressive than it had been. Like it, it's like, oh, these are pretty good, and then you kind of get excited about it, and they're just like, wow, she's just getting better at this. Yeah, and it's it's you know, and it, she's it's bringing really totally good. like a teen romance thing to it, but it's true to the characters and the form. What she's doing with the form is really nice too. Yeah. I think, and then the art is just it, it, spectacular. the Margaret Savage well, yeah, art was terrific. It has like a ethereal quality to it, which I really like. And the, the the expressiveness, the clothes, the, the clothes are great. The emo- yeah, the the way the clothes drape on everyone's bodies, the expressions of the characters, the way mm. they react to each other. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's there's at least three or four silent panels of Jean Grey just having a look on her face that mm-hmm. that absolutely nails the moment. And you it's have great. to trust your artist that's going to be able to pull that off. And you have to have an artist that can pull that off because mm-hmm. honestly, not every artist can. Some artists just yeah. the same face no matter what's going on. <laughs> but yes. um Captain Marvel story I thought was solid the Mike Allred one it had the one great page with all, where, the, all, all the musicians with the, yeah and I, like uh, Mike Allred's had a thing about sort of you know American rock or like well, he's classic a, rock he's a roll. musician he's, an, he's an, yeah totally so and, and I was like I was going I was like yep I know who all these people are we're good <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Daredevil one was my least favorite of the stories that was the uh, Armando I, Iannucci story yeah so I got to say is that uh, I saw his name on Ar- Armando Iannucci. Um, is, I knew him first, unlike a lot of Americans. He was he was uh, EP of the uh, I'm Alan Partridge, which is one of my favorite shows. Uh, and then he did Veep uh, much bigger. And then a lot of people know from In the Loop and um, Stalin is dead, all that, all that stuff. Uh, and I thought, oh, this will be kind of rough. And I actually thought. He's done comics work before. This is not his first comics yeah, work. Yeah, no, I, I know. But I actually thought. It, I thought it was a really well done little short story with a theme, and and it it was a yeah. bit of a stretch. You had to, be, you know, the thing, you know, it was basically his his senses went haywire whenever anybody lied. And at first, I was like, "That's very silly." And then I thought, "Well, no, but there's precedent for it in terms of like 
the thing changes like like you know he can hence sense their heartbeat or whatever it is and and as a sort of device that maybe isn't necessarily 100 percent realistic but maybe like his morality is repelled by it i I, i'm gonna it it wasn't badly done like for a craft standpoint i thought it was Mm -hmm. fine it was just all of these stories were sort of evergreen hero tales and this was more like we're gonna make a change to the character in this it was more like this is this is what will happen to matt murdoch as he ages in a way that's like like he was older people kept calling him old man i was like what what so Mm. that was the only thing was just i just thought the conceit didn't work for me but the the craft Uh, was good he was fine the adam kubert man yeah really good great just beautiful i loved the silver surfer art the it was written drawn by Steve McNiven, and it was a very weird sort of Mobius Steve McNiven because it was Silver Surfer. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, he's, gorgeous. He, he, he tore it right down. Absolutely gorgeous. Didn't care about a word in it. Yeah, but I didn't really need to, right? It was just no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just the Silver Surfer you know, debating with Mephisto about the nature of man, clearly in sort of, sort of Ukraine-esque war zone, and it was just beautiful. I, You know, the, Steve McNiven is an artist who doesn't look like anybody else's art, really. And really was known for sort of, it was almost like a Brian Hitch of his, you know, at his peak. And then this is like, we see somebody like really strip it down mm-hmm. and turn it into like, like the stuff that we liked about him before is still there, but it's really raw. All yeah. these little, just sort of beautiful little cross hatches. Well, he's, he's doing, uh, he's doing yeah. a Mobius tribute. So that's sort of yeah. what, why that's Whatever. there. But yeah. It's, he could draw like this from now on. I'd be fine. But it, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it sings. hundred percent. And then I like the Jason Aaron Thor story. It was about Lady Thor and the girl who, who hates superheroes. It was a quick turn for the character, but I didn't mind it. And I thought, because it's a short story, you don't really yeah. have the real estate. And Pepe Larraz is the star there. She, oh, yeah. She thinks every hero is living, you know, this godly life. And she's got a rough life. Her mom died and she's working three jobs. And she finds out that Lady Thor is actually dying of cancer. And it changes her whole view on heroes. And I thought it was, it was a really strong solid with a really nice structure to it. Jason's always mm-hmm. been good at structure. Yeah. And the way it ends with the sort of dialogue turning back in on itself from the beginning of the story, I thought it was a really well constructed story. Alejandro Sanchez on colors. The colors Beautiful. in the story are fantastic. Yeah. Really great. What did you guys think of the final story? The Stan, Jack and Steve uh, meta tale of these kids who are the only ones who can witness the story of the Marvel heroes through their knot hole in their fence. And they've been writing and drawing them what they see. I have Michael Straczynski story. It was a very Straczynski story. I have very mixed feelings on it. I think that the care Andrews art is great and it instantly puts you in a place where they are. And it's, it's fun like that. I think it's a little bit, I know it's Marvel. So you have, and it's Disney and you have to, but I was like, this only works as fantasy. Yeah. Like it, it was almost n- not rooted enough in, in the actual story that it kind of bothered me. Does that Ryan, make sense? You like? Well, so yeah, it's not reality. Ryan, what did you think? Um, and the art was nice. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 I struggle with it. Like I, it's cutesy in a way that Straczynski stories often aren't, I feel mm-hmm. like, but so that's interesting because I felt it was very Straczynski. Oh, I did. He didn't. I don't know. He's just very Americana. He's very Americana hokey. Yes. The Americana was there. The Americana was definitely there. Which I sometimes like. Yes, in small doses, absolutely. This I just, was a pretty small dose. <laughs> <laughs> I thought as it, I think 
you know, this is a comic about the, about you know doing a tribute to Marvel. I think making a story about those three guys who at, you know at the at the beginning, you know, Joe Simon could have been in there too, but yeah, at the very beginning, these three guys. Um, I think it's nice to do a tribute story without doing like a story about them. This is more making them characters in a, in a maybe, story. Maybe and maybe. And, you know, like, no, I don't think you need to delve into the, all the nuances of who did what and all the shit that everybody's argued. But maybe I think that I just wanted to see a little more of their personalities. Like, maybe, maybe, um, I don't know, just amp that up a little bit to diversify them a little bit. Um, hey, Jack was rolling to fight the bully. Yeah, and he was a little short guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought I, it worked I, for me. It wasn't, it wasn't incredibly successful, but I thought it worked for me. Yeah. It also, it required, I don't know, it, it requires a, it's a meta story that also requires a meta level of knowledge about these people and their history eh. in the, no, almost everybody. If, reading you're not books. wrong, but if you're reading uh, the end of the 80 page Marvel comics, 1000, you don't probably need a, a t- you don't need an explainer on that. And it's five pages and like, a, I, I don't know. I just mean, what does it mean to somebody who maybe isn't as deep. I mean, if it's just a tribute to the, but the, I mean, I don't know. That's like, but that's like I saying like everyone knows Stan, right? At this point, everyone in the yes. world. And then if you're reading this comic, you probably know who Jack is. You may, maybe you don't know who Steve Ditko is, but I think you get the idea. I think that like, but as I read like the first, I think that they should have made Stan more Stan. Yeah. That, that actually the failing was might've been the art from Carrie Andrews. I thought it looked great, but I didn't know what I was looking at until I, I really like uh, a couple pages in. I was like, "Oh, okay." I see what I'm doing. saying, yeah, put a little more of their personalities into it. Stan uh, uh, has more dialogue than Jack, or, or Jack has more dialogue than than Stan. No, like, they, like, like I want to see their. I wanted to. So the reveal that it was them was fine as I looked backwards, but it wasn't really like, oh, I should have seen it. You know, like it wasn't that obvious. It wasn't like, I just feel like they need to amp up the personalities a little bit. And, and the point he's making is good. These guys are the ones who had the imagination to see this beautiful stuff. No one else can see it, but them. That's great. And Stan Lee should get credit for that. I'm not, you know, all that's, you know, all three of them and they don't need to fight. But I I need, I need to see it to them a little more because I feel like we know all of their personalities really well. We do, but, but whoever, you know, you could have put more into it though. It's almost like somebody wrote this who had no idea what any of these guys, what these guys were actually like at all, and that's yeah, weird to me. I mean, he's changing. It's a different kind of one. Yeah. Hey, man, I enjoyed it. Good pick, good pick, Ryan. It was my pick as well. Um, I, I just, I just love classic, uh, you know, evergreen tales of these characters because often the the ones that we're reading from week to week aren't that great. <laughs> so. It, 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 yeah, there. It wasn't a hard pick once I got through the eighty pages. Um, <laughs> it, was good. I, it didn't. It didn't really. I wasn't ever feeling the the length of it. Yeah, for me, me neither. I thought it moved very quickly, and um, some of these long books you feel it, but this one I didn't feel it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was light on clunkers. But then again, I was not under the gun hmm. like Ryan was, so maybe that helped. I want to talk about Batman slash Catwoman, colon, the Gotham War, number one, colon, Battle Lines. These fucking titles. Um, <laughs> written by Teeny Howard and Chip Zdarsky, drawn by Mike Hawthorne. And, you know, we're all big Chip 
Zdarsky fans, Teeny Howard less less so. This was one of the worst Batman comics I've read in forever. Really? Yeah. And also, I'd just like to point out, so this is the, this issue is setting up the Gotham War mini event happening in the Batman books, or at least a couple of Batman books over the next two months. Mm. It's happening in Batman, Catwoman, and then there's a bunch of specials. Uh, we had we had the War of Jokes and Riddles. We had the Go- Joker War. And now we have the Gotham War. They need to do something else with Batman. All of these stories are the same story. We're going to tear Batman mm-hmm. and Bruce Wayne down. We're going to go to war. Gotham's going to be a war zone with, with against one of his great enemies. It's it, it's going to be now. It's his ex girlfriend. And now right? it will change. Everything. It's like just tell some fucking Batman stories and don't have don't tear him down to the studs every six months. And that's all they seem to know how to do with Batman. There's literally the third something war story arc in the last you know five years or whatever it is. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, uh, you're not Officer Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> Just well, point see you guys later. Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta go. I got some things. I to told you out. I didn't have to check. You asked me to check. Um, so yeah, that's, here's no, that's the, like that's like one of the bigger bummers. No, I mean, wants to act like this wasn't he wasn't a, you. a derailment, but like, yeah, that. He warned you it could happen. I did. I yeah. I, I literally. You can go, but you can check the tape. It's not tape. All right. So so the, go, the, yeah. just, the the premise of this of this is that. And look, there's I actually kind of like the premise. The premise is that Catwoman has decided. Uh, this is all dumb. She hires every hired goon in Gotham, everyone that the villains all hire to be their hired goons. She trains them and turns them into high end cat burglars. So that almost all the crime in Gotham is now high-end cat burglary. And street crime Unionized. has basically dropped to nothing. And so first of all, I think it's a good idea of her like taking all the hired goons and turning them into her little cat burglar army. I liked that. The problem is, A, that assumes every criminal in Gotham is a hired goon. That no one else is committing any crime in Gotham. Uh, there aren't any kids stealing cars or pulling high, you know, stick-ups on the street. That everyone is part of this gang of then- hired goons. And That's, the criminals are quite reasonable. Should you give them a good deal? Right. This was that was like I don't believe like that's stupid. Number two, I t- totally forgot that Batman got his hand cut off in his time travel adventures, and now he's got a metal hand like Luke Skywalker. Number three, I did notice that. Number three, uh, you know, she calls Catwoman calls a meeting of the Bat family and says, "This is this is the new normal. I have unionized all the hired goons. They're not going to be pulling dangerous." heists anymore it's all going to be about robbing the rich i have now controlled crime and i was like well that's still crime you're controlling crime doesn't mean no more crime it means you're controlling it that's just organized crime that's what the five families did um and she expects batman and the, the the through the book the reader expects that they'll find this reasonable and Batman's like, no, this is bullshit. And now the family has split between those on the family who think this is a reasonable oh, like alternative. I didn't finish it. It's like the Civil War. The war is the battle lines of the title is between the members of the family, like Jason Todd, who think this is perfectly reasonable and we should have supported it, versus Batman is like, this is fucking crime still. And we're here to stop crime. And I, mean, I just like, this the, is. So who are the teams? I saw Duke 
this is around when I stopped. Duke was like, hey, it makes sense to me. So you got Duke and Jason Todd over on the Catwoman side. Who else? Scroll back over there. I think does Stephanie think it's okay? Like I don't remember. They they didn't like they didn't like draw it out yet. But it's basically that's the premise is that the bat and that's in like the solicitations. The Bat Family will be split in half over you know. Mm-hmm. So it's you know Damien's clear. Damien and Batman are clearly on the all crime is bad side, and I, they haven't really said how. Tim and Dick and Barbara are going, but it's just I was confused stupid. In the beginning, when uh, Tim was there, and and he was like, "Oh, Batman, you're here," and he gives him a hug, and then then Batman calls him son. I was like, "Wait, who am I looking at?" Well, it's, it's, yeah, but I mean, he, he I was, know from the costume, I was like, "I think it's Tim," but I was like, "I don't feel like this is Tim," but uh-huh. but he's not acting like Damien. It doesn't matter. Just to, I was like, basically, then, the point is too many Robins. That's what I'm saying. And then Zenera, the, that stupid Batman who is the mm-hmm. ultimate pure version of Batman is back in his head. It's just like they it's the same story. Zenera was there for the Joker war. Like they're just telling the same Batman story over and over again. And it's tiring and it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And I get it. This is the unintended consequence of the market going to trades or focusing on trades is that every story has to be big and bold and an event. They can't just tell Batman punching Mr. Freeze when he tries to rob a bank. No matter how good that story might be, it's they they have to make it big every time because they got to sell that trade with the title on the cover that says Bat- The Gotham War as opposed to just Batman punches Mr. Freeze volume 12. Like I get it, but it's it just loses its appeal after 5 years straight of Batman will never be the same after this war in Gotham and it's just like oh my god, I'm I'm falling asleep just reading this. So this is why I'm so angsty about the state of Batman. I'm sorry. Miss Marvel, the new mutant number one, continuing the follow like, X stuff. Like like just some other guy named Ryan? <laughs> I think I think it's a very common name. Especially among police officers. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Irish name. Alright. So <laughs> To be fair, I was pointed out to me that those names weren't spelled like ours, so that we have nothing we can sue over. We can't. So it's not it possible. Intelligence. Yeah, it wasn't confirmed entirely that it was us. Remember how before the show I said we definitely have to get to the emails this week because we mm-hmm. we screwed the people over last week. So Miss Marvel, the mutant number one, latest from the Fall of X. I haven't read a Miss Marvel book since G. Willow Wilson stopped writing it. I love that book. I love Miss yeah, Marvel character, and I love. I like this. This was solid. I. <laughs> There was some art problems. It. There was some art problems. I, I mean, I like the art style in general. I can't. I know like, the main story was, was terrific. The, it was the dream sequence of art problems, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing I, I didn't first of all starting off with like it was like a couple of pages of dream sequence. It kept going back to it. That's one of the things I hate, but one of my bugaboos. But um, the only thing that I I like don't buy pages. about her and all of Ten this pages. is that we keep going. I just found out I'm a I'm a mutant. And I was like, what does that fucking mean? I don't understand. What is it? Because she still got her powers, but they said she might not have some are mutant, and it's like it doesn't. It she's, doesn't. She's both. I know, but they're they're. It's like they're shoehorning in this thing that doesn't add to the character. It doesn't make the character better or more interesting. It is using the character to fill a purpose and stick her somewhere else. Uh, well, I mean, it's not. You're not entirely wrong. I do think it adds to her level of alienation, which is interesting. I don't think she needed it. She's a no. she's a she's a young girl who uh, is a minority in America, and she's got 
you know, coming from like different cultures all over the place. She's in I New mean, Jersey. She she's should be hated powers. for being from New Jersey. Being from New Jersey should be the biggest problem she has. I'm just saying, like, like there's plenty of alienation stuff there that you don't need to plug the mutant thing into it to sort of make that point. And if, if like this was like we don't know what to do with her, so we'll give her this and we can plug her in over in these stories. I, okay, fine. But it's almost like they killed her. And then we're like, well, what do we do? Well, we could make her a mutant. Okay. You know, it's, it's like well, the opposite of when they made happened, all the obviously. mutants in humans. I mean, that's not what they do. They, 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 they kill her because they're killing everybody right now. Moon Knight's about to get killed. That's just, they, no, that's just I, what I, they I, do. I know. But like, it's just, it just, it just. I, I don't know. I don't think she needed it. Like, I kind of enjoyed this. I kind of, I kind of, you know, it was. Funny. I love her as part of the X Men. I don't know. You know, she didn't really fit as I part of them. A part of the Avengers. There's already a Captain Marvel in the Avengers. Doesn't need to be a another Captain Marvel in the Avengers. So mm-hmm. I like her as a, I like her as a mutant. I like her as an X Men. I think she's fun because she brings a diff- or totally different energy than the other, the X Men characters who are all very serious and mm-hmm. and brooding all the time. I loved. The sequence where she told Bruno that she had died and now she's a mutant. I thought the art was terrific. I thought the that was a wonderful page. You're absolutely right. The that storytelling in the faces was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I just loved once it got past the dream sequence. I don't hate dream sequences, but it went for ten pages and it was long. Yeah. Um, and you could tell it was a dream sequence. So I was like, this isn't yeah. happening. So I'm reading it for no reason. Once she got to school, so she's she's <laughs> doing a summer intern summer school program at college that's being funded by Orcus, the anti-mutant organization. Once we got to that point, I really enjoyed it. This is co-written. It should be noted by the actress who plays her. Yeah. Ryan, did okay. you end up reading this? I know you were under the gun. No, I didn't. I didn't get through it. I, yeah, it feels like, um, I don't know. It feels like the identity of these characters is getting shuffled around based on external factors that aren't relevant to like necessarily the story or the larger place that they play business the considerations universe. business considerations yeah so i i i, I don't want to be jaded but maybe i'm a little jaded. skeptical of why like <clears throat> why shift this person to being a mutant unless disney purchases fox right like i don't know uh yeah i mean that that horse we all hate that horse it left the barn 10 years ago or more everybody's so. following that horse it it is what it is. I don't I don't like that they, all of this. I've said it a hundred times on the show. I don't like that decisions are made by non comics people. But I think I like this one. That's fine if you don't like it. It's totally okay. I like the situation where she's. I mean, look, she's Peter Parker, right? She's yeah, super smart nerd who has secrets she's got to keep from her family and is always messing up in some way. She's she's female Peter Parker, which is fine. So many characters are basically Peter Parker. I think she's charming. I think this book was fun. I miss reading Miss Marvel. Um, and, you know, this this is very Peter Parker. She's going to this, you know, college for for, for super smart nerds. And she's got, a pro- she's got a big secret because they all hate mutants. And so what does that mean? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I liked it. Mm. I didn't love it, but mm. I liked it. Quite a bit. And I just, I'm just totally in on this. And this is only a four-issue miniseries. It's more for me about, like, what what does her transition mean for the status quo? And I liked some of the Hellfire Club stuff that I read where, you know, she's interacting with all the mutants and figuring out what this means for her. She's way too young to be in the Hellfire Club. Yeah. In a couple <laughs> more years. Um, I get it. I, I get it, Ryan. I, I'm, I'm the first one to say it's bullshit when things change because to fit the movies. But um, 
I think why not with her because she's such a blank slate in many ways. So, and the Inhumans thing doesn't really land. I mean, when's the last time you saw a really interesting Inhuman story? Yeah, it's just weird that like she was introduced as an Inhuman when the Terrigen Mists were kind of like blanking in the earth and then she had the show, which I think, Connor, you told me was like the least watched show of all the Marvel shows. Maybe, I don't know. It wasn't like her show wasn't a huge hit, but they also had to like sort of retcon her show into it was a bracelet found by her ancestors. Well, they changed her whole thing for the show. That's fine. But, but, but the fact that like now, now we're like transitioning again to something else. But what you're, what you're missing is that the whole reason she was an an inhuman in the first place was because of the movies, because they didn't have the X-Men in the movie world. So they were trying to build up the inhumans. So it's all, it all ties back. Everything that's happened Mm -hmm. in comics since, like 2010 has been about the, the movies and the TV shows that we can't get at around it. And so, so even, you got to find what you can within even it. introducing her as an inhuman is because they were trying to build up the inhumans because they didn't have the X-Men anymore and they had, yeah. they had sidelined the X-Men. So all of it from the very beginning, from her very first, first appearance is because of considerations in the business. You can't get around it. It is what it is. Well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. I just don't know that it works. That's fine. You're totally fine with thinking she shouldn't be a mutant. Nothing wrong. Well, what I am saying is, I'm not sure. I'm willing to let the story play out. I'm willing to keep reading. You're mutant curious. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a particular fetish that I'm not going to commit to right now. But I guarantee you, there's a Craigslist section for that in the Marvel universe. (laughs) Oh, and and the the first and at least fifty percent of the first top posts are Remy. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Local man gold. Is a special. I don't know why it was just the next issue of Local Man, but uh, that's the that's the main point I wanted to say. Thank you. Um, Done. Ryan, have you been reading this the whole time? Yeah, it's great. Okay, so Ryan and I talked about the first issue. I think when Josh wasn't on the show, Local Man is an image series from Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks, and it's a tribute to the early '90s image. It features a bunch of you know outlandish image characters from that era, and it's, the main story is about this one guy, Cross Jack who is now older, probably in his 40s. He's retired retired sort of back home because he had a falling out, with his, yeah. falling out with his team. They pulled the legal maneuver. He can't use the costume or the name anymore. He's really not supposed to be even fighting crime, but he's doing it in the ski mask. And he's back home in Wisconsin, you know, living a sad, uh, disappointing life while he fights crime in that t- small town. It's been interesting and fun, really interesting and fun. I've really enjoyed this book quite a bit. I why, really like it. Why I wanted to talk about this issue was because it was fucking bonkers. And uh, <laughs> so he's he gets called by the cops to come to the station to find his younger self in prison. His younger self with the fig- 90s floppy hair and the costume. And he's a real douchebag. And he's like, oh, right. I remember this. This was a time travel multiverse bullshit. And, and so he goes outside and there's Stryker, who was the four-armed cable clone. There's a woman from Dynamo 5. There's Street Angel. There's Fire Breather from Phil Hester. There's Boof, who was a Todd McFarlane character. <laughs> and he, he was like, oh, we were, I forgot. We went in this, with this crazy time travel adventure. And Stryker's like, my sensors have picked up a, uh, a anomaly in the time stream. And we cut to, is it, she's at the local Walmart. And we cut to fucking Joan from Love Everlasting, who's working at Walmart. And they're like, uh, she constantly reboots every time she falls in love. And so she becomes a major plot point character. It was just this bonkers image mashup. 
um, where this guy, they had to stop this guy from killing Joan, and, which was so crazy. <laughs> and I loved it. I thought it was I super really, fun. I liked I, this issue I, a lot. I had a ton of fun with this. And then Joan gets in on the action. Like she's not just there for as like a one note joke. She's, she's involved in the story a little bit. Joan's the into action. Young Crossjack tries to hit on her. And she's just like, what the fuck? Cause he's a, he's a douche. And, uh, they end up saving the day and stopping the time anomaly. And it, I just thought this was crazy. And then there's a big old double page spread with like battle Pope and a bunch of characters, uh, chew from chew and, um, <laughs> it's just Tim Seeley's tribute to the early nineties image world, which was dumb. It was dumb, but it, it's fun, but it keeps going. Like, I don't understand why this wasn't just issue nine or whatever we're up to. Agreed. Um, and then he, there's always a story in the back that takes place in that era that Tim Seeley draws of the original team. These are all characters from the nineties. These are all real characters, by the way. Yes. Uh, real characters so it was fun i thought this was incredibly fun me too i i enjoy the hell of this and these issues they they read so well like i would if you told me there was an image series that was an homage to the the early to mid 90s bombastic ridiculous nine you know image yep. comics of of your i would worry that Careful. it would be a slog What's our childhood? But it's um, so it's so fun. It it's Tim moves, Seeley. It, it, it clips along. It's so good. I'm not gonna, you know, give not give credit to Tony Fleeks because like, they basically both write it, and Tony Fleeks does the art in the main story. Tim Seeley does the art in the on the second story. But it's it it it's bursting with Tim Seeley's uh, personality and his um, aesthetic, and it's just a lot of fun. It's so much fun. I'm gonna read his He Man book that comes out next week because I wasn't gonna read that, but I saw he wrote it, so I was like, oh, what the hell? I'll try to. I'll give that a try. Wow. Yeah. So this is the month of September. This 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 episode comes out the first week in September, and in this September we're going to be doing a Booksplode review of the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition. So it was fortuitous that this week we had Action Comics presents Doomsday Special Number One, which it was, was written. It by was fortuitous, but it was also confusing. <laughs> written by Dan Waters, like, Eddie Barrows, and Eber Ferrer on art. I. I f- I'm not a fan of them ever using Doomsday. I thought he should never have come back after that. that and I don't want to get into it because I, I, we have a lot to talk about for that in that book's blood. But I thought they should never have brought him back after that Jet Superman story. He was so effective in that. And every time they I bring agree. him back, it makes him lesser. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that being said, it, I well, don't. Yeah, it, it almost feels like the the idea, the, the sort of retcon that they've done is like every time you kill him, he comes back stronger. Yep. feels like a meta comment on like the effectiveness of the character. But also, if that's the case, he should never be beaten ever, right? Like, it took right. Superman dying the first time to stop him, and now it's like if he comes, he's come back stronger seven or eight times. And does the point is this? I don't know what the story was leading up to this particular thing. He he's he's mm-hmm. sent to hell, and Doomsday. actually kind of like that. Like he was like he's in hell, and I, he's everyone kind of worships him, and he's sort of become the god of hell. And sure, why not? Fine. Um, and then they inter- then they bring Bloodwind back, and I don't want to talk about Bloodwind at all because we're going to talk about him on the show. But he's now the Superman of Hell. Eh, why not? Interesting enough. There was a lot of wacky shit in here. Yeah, and I liked that. I thought you know, I, what you're saying about Doomsday is absolutely true. There was a bunch of wacky shit in here. It was just like Doomsday and Hell, and then and then you know Martian Manhunter's got to be involved and Blood. And he's and a like, threat to <laughs> he's a threat to the devil or Neron and, and, or whoever and, you want to be. and you know reality blah 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 all that stuff now that shouldn't be like they should not 
but as a story on its own in this, I do all, I just want to real quick, the, the conversation at the beginning, uh, between Kara and Clark, yep. uh, they're at the table and she's like, so what was it like? And I like that because she's a Kryptonian. So she wants to know. Right. And like, he's very, uh, um, forthcoming about it and, and kind of, it's a very human response in the way that he talks to her and they're on the same level. I thought that was really well written. Yeah, he said, I got, t- uh, by the end of it, I was so tired. Like, I, the way I imagine humans get tired that we never do. And I was like, ooh. Um, yeah. There was one point where Martian Manhunter and Supergirl get sucked into hell and she sees souls being tortured. She's like, we got to save them. And I was like, they're in hell for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, Well, that depends on how you, that that's, that's subjective. Like, who knows? That could be a pedophile on that rack. You know? Yeah, but maybe we were wrong, and masturbation really is a terrible sin. Well, and then, they didn't know if that's a, if that's the case. Everyone's going, but uh, I was just like, "You're in hell." It's not like you, you know, you don't know who that is. That could be Hitler. So that was funny. Well, I thought this was. I, I enjoyed this. It was silly. Bloodwind was fun. I always liked Bloodwind, and so they found a way to bring him back here as sort of the protector of hell, and whatever. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, you know what? I, I want to. I'm going to let you talk, talk in a minute, Josh. But I wanted to say I started reading The Hunger in the Dusk number two, and I was about four or five pages in, and I went, "I never read the first one." Ah, because you talked about it on the show and raved about Pick it. Of the so, week. so I, you know, when it came out, I was like, "Oh, I should read that," but I didn't think that I had, and I just assumed in my head I had. And mm-hmm. so I was like, "Wait a minute! I haven't ever read the first issue." However, what I found was it didn't matter to enjoy this issue. I believe that's about, I think that's about right. I, I, I had all the information I needed. I mean, I'm assuming there's information I don't know I don't have, but to, to enjoy this specific issue, I didn't need anything else. I, I, I got mean, the gist of the characters and their relationships. So I thought it was super fun. There's a big threat coming. There's monsters everywhere. Orcs and humans have to work together for the first time ever. There and you they're go. They're going to start banging soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on there. But I thought it was super fun. The Chris Wildgoose art was terrific. Ryan, what did you think amazing. of this issue? Yeah, it was great. I, I caught up on this and I really liked it. The The main human character is named Cal. That, that, I like that. <laughs> no, the, the art was great. The story. Um, it's weird how there are like meta tropes in fantasy. I know we've been using the word meta a lot in this episode, but like the 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 young useless bard the badass woman like that's right. all very dungeons and dragons honor among thieves like sure. the old archer who's you know can stand off to the sides and be the sniper like that was interesting but i found myself very engaged in the world it felt like it was playing on tropes that were recognizable without it was new enough to feel fresh, but not so tied into the the D and D Tolkien esque mythology of it that it felt stale. Well, I think right? that's what Josh said in his review. Yeah, I don't want to. There's no point in really get. You can listen to that episode uh, when it was pick of the week, but that was kind of the point. Is that I think the difference between G Willow Wilson and all of these other newer creators who don't have the chops necessarily right. haven't done the reps is that they try to build this whole world, and what she's doing here is go no no no. Tell the story. We're going to tell a story about these people. I'm going to give you these tropes so that you have something to be hooked onto, and then we're going to move. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to do everything differently because my story is going to be good, and my characters are going to be interesting, and these these clues are going to give, give you enough of an idea who they are that we can just move along. And that's, you know, Image has been putting out a lot of fantasy books lately, and some of them are 
are just too compl- complicated and mm-hmm. they're too yes. they're too dense. And this was like just you right. know what orcs are, you know what a bard is. We're just going to tell the story and not worry about you know um you know what is the, the minutia of the world. We're just going to tell. And I, I thought it was really fun. This you're right. This is the mark of a of a veteran storyteller. It was really. Yep. F- I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. I, I'll probably go back and read the first issue. But it was. I'm glad. I'm gonna That's definitely great. keep reading. I thought this was really, really enjoyable. The uh, blade number two, <laughs> the blade. They the should blade. call him that. The blade. Um, I didn't. I didn't put this on the list. <laughs> I don't know why I. I Ryan started did. talking. Ryan put it. On okay. The list. I did. Yeah, you talk about it. Yeah. No. Did thank you. Read you. It, Josh? Um. Yeah. 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 Brian Hill wrote this and Elena Casagrande uh, drew it. And um, I, I only caught up on this this week. So I read issues one and two this week. And I, I, I like a lot of Brian Hill's comics, but I feel like this version of Blade is not a version of Blade I've seen before. Like he's, it's not aping the Wesley Snipes character. It's not aping any comics version I've seen before. Like it's a smooth cool comfortable blade the action in the book is super cinematic in a way where i'm like did they hire brian hill to write the the treatment for the screenplay for whatever movie they're gonna do but i just i i find that i'm just really digging how this book is happening i think it's a i don't know that it's you like the first issue I, I did i did but i don't think it was because like it it wasn't like holy shit i can't believe it's like this is just a comic book story that has adventure and, and they, they it's kind of sexy and it's kind of dangerous and there's big weird shit going on. And again, it's, it's, you know, there's good skill. There's skill on this page. Brian Hill is a great episodic writer of these genre characters. Casa Grande is a, a great artist. You've got Jordi Belair coloring it. Um, it. It's not like amazing, but it's great, you know, Marvel genre fiction. You know, that, that's just, it moves, uh, you know, there's, there's little twists and turns, there's monsters or whatever. Like, it's just, it's a little bit meat and potatoes in the good way, I think is the way that I felt about it. And I don't know who Blade is. Yeah, there is no bl- er, Blade. There's, there's, there's the seventies one. There's the movie one. There's 58 different versions of him since then, you know, blades can be anything you need him to be really. And here's what I know about this, this book, Blade fucks. Yeah, true. And he and he picks up guns that fire ghosts at people. I think I don't know. He's keeping it too. He is keeping it. I, I flew home from Chicago recently, as Connor and Josh know, and um, watched. I watched the uh, second Extraction movie, Extraction with uh, Chris Hemsworth, and um, it's very good. It's a fun action movie, and I felt like this, you know, was tying into like some of the same action tropes of but but in comic form not in movie form where you know like blade jumps into a helicopter while it's flying and he gets like shot up a bunch but it's cool and he survives it because you know he can and i don't know it it just i dug it you you don't need to apologize for like action adventure yeah i don't apologize for like and i'm trying to articulate why it it, it can just be fun you know nothing wrong with that Hey, those are the books we wanted to talk about. It was a short, it was a small week. It was a short week. I read a lot of extra books that I wouldn't have otherwise. I was like, what else you got? I was reading everything. I think I had 10 Didn't books. Help. Yeah. So those are the books we're going to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron of the show gets a vote to add a book to the rundown. 
And this week, much like the time that The Hunger in the Dusk was the pick of the week, Marvel Age number 1000 was also the patron pick. And so we already talked about it. And uh, let's do a ratings on it. And, well, we know we're not going to keep reading it because there's no more issues. But ratings out of five. Ratings. Uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half. I really wow. liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. That was terrific. Great art. Great stories. Ryan. Anyone else? Anyone else? Four point seven five. Three point seven five. Whoa! Whoa! It was That's fine. Low. I enjoyed it, but no, it was low. Listen, low. There's a low. major error at the beginning. I didn't know how I felt about the last one. Oh, okay. I can see you knocking a point, a, pay, a number, a point off for that error. Yeah, that's fair. It was pretty yeah. bad. It, the, I, I thought the Ryan Stegman art was great. Story didn't care about. Okay. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. If you want to vote to add a book to the rundown, you got to be a patron, and you got to vote. Thanks to all those who do True. vote. We appreciate it. And real quick, those patrons are the ones who directly support the show. They unlock content and shows for everybody. They become part of a great community on Discord and Facebook. And they get to have the monthly patron hangout, which we did last weekend, two weekends ago, which was fun. And uh, we really appreciate all of them. And they get, they get tier-exclusive merchandise. Depending on what tier they sign up for, there's merchandise exclusive to that tier. And after three months, they automatically receive it in the mail. They don't have to do anything else. And we hope they, we hope they enjoy it because we don't even get it ourselves. So thanks to all those who support us at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Also, I found out at threadless.com is where our 13 t-shirt designs are. You can also get those designs and other things besides t-shirts, but most people get t-shirts. And that's cool. Fanboy.com slash support is our PayPal link and our eccentric billionaire tip jar. Fanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can buy our books, blood books, and our general shopping link. And bookshop.org is our partner for to help out local bookstores. And you can find those links on the website where appropriate. So thanks to everybody who supports us. And now... If you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show bestowed upon you by one of the hosts. And this week, it's the doctor's turn. Officer's turn. Officer. Well, we found out that's not the case. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you gonna, could claim it. No, I won't. It's going to bum me out for a while. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to I very specifically and... said, are you sure you want me to check? Which, by no, the way, fine. was a power move, uh, me saying I could yeah. check. And getting an immediate response, just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, no. You win. I'm playing again. <laughs> um, uh, Kenneth Derrick also wins because, do you guys know? I mean, it's it's Labor Day weekend this weekend, right? Yep. It's the, it's the end of summer. Yes, so you know what that means. Sadly. What? It's decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. Mm. <laughs> Kenneth. <laughs> Out of all the things <laughs> Didn't see that, that were going to be said, I I did not have that on my bingo card. Go on. Kenneth Derek can fire decorative gourds out of his body at, at high velocity. Any any decorative gourds he wants to be in any position, he can just shoot them out of himself. <laughs> Where do they come from on his body? <laughs> You're just getting points here for the words decorative and gourds. And like, it's a, it's a concept I never think of. Some of those gourds sec- are really bumpy. The mm-hmm. second you sat it, I could feel and hear the sort of hollow thump. 
They it might be a little painful home. for Kenneth. Mm-hmm. But decorative gourds can fire out of his body Again. in any direction at any speed. From where do they come? Wherever he needs them to come from. To get the to get the decorative gourds decorated in the space that he's in post haste. Interesting. It's decorative gourds, these motherfuckers. From whence? They I come. don't know about you, where you guys live, but it's going to be about 90 degrees until October where I am. So decorative not really decorative gourd, gourd season here. Season. Yeah, you still do decorative gourds, though. I do in November. Imagine trick-or-treaters coming up to your door. <laughs> you just go decorative gourds! Just fire. <laughs> Jeez. Man, it seems harsh like to happily, the kids. Like or like a threat? Or... <laughs> Or like I he's just speak. fucking excited about it. <laughs> I can't speak to Kenneth in his neighborhood. Mm. I just know what he is capable of doing. And it's decorative gourds. All right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks, Kenneth, for being a patron and use those decorative gourd powers wisely. And now, because we didn't do it last week, we're going to try to do some emails, even though we're long. Because something some people couldn't keep the calendar or the clock in their heads. Yeah, Josh. Talk. Let's do it. <laughs> Mike H. from Buffalo, New York. Mike says, I was del- delivering my mail route, listening to an episode from 2021, and this question popped into my head. Do you think the Green Lantern's energy constructs make sound? And does Alan Scott sound like a roaring fire? Because he's powered by the flame of the star heart. Doctor? Alan's, no. Alan, oh. Alan Scott's wouldn't apply to what the other, because he's not Owen-based. They're different. They would have nothing They're different to do. powers, yeah. But also, uh, Kilowog is on record as the only Green Lantern who makes sounds. Right, because light doesn't make sound, so light constructs wouldn't make sound. There was a Could paper you... that came out. Wait, oh no, wait, hang on. <laughs> there was a paper nope. that came out uh, like a week or two ago that was about scientists being able to transfer sound information across a vacuum, which should not be possible. Hmm. I have not read the paper yet, so I do wow, not have so any. Every pedantic nerd who ever watched a space movie is going to get bl- plowed over by this one, huh? Yeah, plowed over by so, Alan so, Scott. But in the comics, so, Ryan's correct. In the comics, they've said that Kilowog's constructs are the only ones that make sound. I didn't know that. But yeah. because they are solid, they could, in fact, parts of those constructs could bang up against each other making sound waves from the air around them they can create light but they don't also but also if they're in space there's well, still no well space is different, space I'm, is no, different. No, no, no. We're, you're flying around in the atmosphere if you're making a solid object whether it's made of like solid light already i don't is that a thing is that is that's just a sci-fi concept right it's a sci-fi, sci-fi concept. concept okay so but let's so then we've said there's solid light which means they're solid which means that things are contacting with each other and there will be noise within an atmosphere so if you make like a uh, Kyle Rayner i remember made a, a a monster truck once that monster truck is going to make the same sounds that a monster truck would make because all the things inside are moving as if they would normally. The monster truck doesn't inherently make that noise. It's the mechanical movement of those things. Or if you make like a, a light construct lion or whatever, does it not have the vocal cords and moves air across them? Only if you're only if you make the vocal cords. Like just just that's if fair. You, if the if the if the ring does just make an anatomically correct lion, you just you know. Well, also, Connor, let's let's circle back. Yeah. You know, what about Kilowog makes his constructs make sound? I always felt like it was the sort of... Comic There was magic. something about Kilowog in his, like, intensity 
as a lantern. Like something about his, what he was bringing to what the ring creates was what generated the sound. It wasn't like, it wasn't inherent to the constructs. It was inherent to Kilowog's intensity or ability as a, a ring wielder. The rings talk to the wielders, do they not? Yes, yes, they do. And that is psychic, or is it audible? I don't. I don't even like that they do that. But um, I remember because like, isn't that isn't that like a Kyle Rayner? But now they all. Do. I remember uh, him like cruising across the universe in like a like a like a Cadillac construct, and I yeah. swear he had the radio on. So. Let's put aside real world science. Let's put aside the Kilowog thing. Do you, in your guys' head, do you want the Green Lantern contracts to make sound? Yes. Like in your head when you're reading the books, do they make sound? Well, I want them to make natural sound from the thing. I don't want them to be – I mean like I guess you could have that like lightsaber energy crackling thing. Right. I'd, I'd probably be okay with that because you've got you know light hitting – whatever it is and there's heat that comes off it or whatever. And if any of them were going to make a fire sound, I think you could make an argument that Green Lantern's – or Alan Scott's does – Right. It's also like magic. I, I, if you were making a I'm movie, kind of a, you would put a sound in there. Well, yeah, you'd have to. But, have to. but that's but that's why it's cool that it's comics. Because like for me, it's the opposite where I think it's really interesting to think about this, you know, All raging right. battle between green and yellow or whatever color lanterns, and it's totally silent. And then like Kilowog shows up raids. and it's Right, and Kilowog shows up and it's Quathoom, and it's this blast of energy. And to me, that's more interesting than everybody making a pew, pew, pew. Well, whatever, pew, pew. But I'm saying if you make a giant uh, spongy catcher's mitt, mm-hmm. it has to make a comedic noise when something hits it. Thump. Thump. To, to, me, it, to me, it doesn't. To me, I like the idea that it's like all... You're silent the, except you're in the animation brain trust. And by the way, let's let's point out this is for entertainment purposes. You're sure. you're watching one of the movies and and uh and and Hal Jordan comes up with a big old green Oh Josh, bat. they never use Hal Jordan in those movies. You know what I mean? John Stewart, whoever I'm it kidding. is. They, they big old did green bat and ones. gives it a swing when it connects with something. You don't want to hear that crack? He makes a he makes a chainsaw and you I mean, want it to be silent. Of, it's kind of interesting that it's silent. Because it's, I think, from a from a cinematic point of view, it's kind of interesting. Well, what we need to know now is if, well, now we know. there's ever been sound effects put on the pages of uh, right. Green Lantern in Probably its various. Have. I'm sure they have. It has to have been. Just like filmmakers refuse to do space battles with no sound, and just like filmmakers refuse to do dinosaurs covered in fe- feathers, they mm-hmm. also this is just the way it is. For storytelling purposes, like, they make sense. I would like a silent dinosaur, dinosaur battle. In space, covered in feathers. In space, covered in feathers. Just two frozen dinosaurs <laughs> floating around. Giant frozen chickens. <laughs> and, and Ryan goes, see, that's the way it should, was supposed to be. And that's a message from Officer Dr. Ryan. Josh, read the next email. Uh, Dan B., of the San Francisco bees. <laughs> uh, which do you think is ultimately more useless? And <laughs> The first one already is. An encyclopedic knowledge of comic books or an encyclopedic knowledge of sports? I thank you for your attention to this important matter. They're both equally useless, ultimately. Well, that's sort of true. Mm, I mean, at the end of the day, but, they're both useless. But. 
No, sort you're of. save everybody's but, life with encyclopedic knowledge of no, but within both of those, but within both of those things are stories of culture. Oh no, I'm not saying it's bad to have them. I'm right. just saying they're equally useless. If you're if you're making no, if you, if, how much uselessness? I, you one know, is not more useless than the other. They're equally useless. Which that's is to true, say, but, they're fine. I mean, yeah, but like I do think that with it, like. It's one thing to be flippant about it, but within those things, with if that that encyclopedic knowledge of comic books or sports, there's stories of our world. Like like there's there's truths, there's history that's all in there. I you know like I don't like watching uh, most sports. I certainly don't like watching baseball. But Ken Burns baseball is my favorite. Ken Burns. Right, but what I'm saying is one is not better than the other. They're they're equal. Hang on. Yeah, I have that's, a question for fair. Dan B. Well, go ahead. Did Dan B send this question to any sports podcasts, and did they even bother to consider that their good point their gut reaction? Okay, obviously wait. sports is better. Reaction is better. Wait, wait, wait. So let's 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 look at the use of the word useless. Mm-hmm. So thank you. In things that have a use, or for example, the ability to be monetized, I'm pretty sure sports knowledge is more useful than sure, comic totally. knowledge. However, okay. the three of us in this in this context, we uselessness, utility, utility function, we have all made money based right. on our have, knowledge. Have of you comics. seen have you seen the books? I mean <laughs> I just got more indirectly. On. I, I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying um, wait, this just are you saying I shouldn't cash this check from Ron? Because it's if, got a lot of zeros if it, on it. If it cashes, then good congratulations. Um, well, we like, have also all done work, just outside of iFanboy, we have all done paid work in the comic book field. Or no one has ever paid me to throw a ball or ex- or talk about my knowledge of people who that's do just throw you balls have, That's because you've chosen this thing. I mean, it, it, the thing is, for someone mm. else, it's it's an opposite. It's, it, it's equally, it's just, it's... It's so ephemera and ammunition. It's the same thing. Ah, he asked us. Right. I'm saying that's, that's in, in a grand scheme know. of things, it's the what, same what thing. What other podcast? Like, is, is, pardon the interruption, is is Tony Kornhauser going to do a segment on esoteric comic book versus why, sports knowledge? Why would he, though? I'm saying. Dan B. wrote in. I'm saying it's, it, there's no value judgment. It's the same, it's the same thing. Having an encyclopedic knowledge of anything is ultimately just whatever kind of nerd you are. I mean, useless. Sports, but it's- sport, I would say that the, the the edge that sports has is at least sports events happened in reality. Well, right? I, I read a comic in reality. Uh, That's all. That, that, the question is. I no, mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't know that that matters yeah. in terms of cultural context. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking aloud. I'll tell you right now. I don't think either of them are useless. I don't like I think that there's absolute real value in both of those things. Now, do you want to sit next to somebody with an encyclopedic knowledge of sports? You know, for like a long time? Well, there's two ways to go. You can have a people who have an encyclopedic knowledge of things usually like to let you know, is my point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people like what they like and they ha- if they have a Deep interest in it, they they tend to accrue an encyclopedic knowledge of us. It's like no difference than encyclopedic knowledge of stamps or trains. I know, or but you've been like, I'm War. just trying to, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to get some stamps here at the post office. You could stop, post office, you could stop telling me about it. Well, actually, Lee, you should. Like, it's just the, it's the, it's the nerd stereotype. Is what there's, there's no, I just think there's no difference. I mean, I don't, whether they're useless or not, it's, it's, there's no value judgment. One is not better than the other. That's my point. I, I agree with that. Like, and neither, like, 
arguing about uselessness, it's a race to the bottom, right? <laughs> like, right. We had, we had an we, email. Like, are, we had an email a long time. Of them, are either of them useful? Neither of them stand up against an engineering degree. Is I guess what we're saying. Uh, we had an we had an email a long time ago similar to this, asking about. I would like my ten thousand hours back. About some about you know people liking sports and comics and and my reaction at the time is the same. If I walk into someone's apartment or a house and it's covered wall to wall, floor to ceiling with comic stuff. I'm no more comfortable than I walk into someone's house and it's covered wall to wall, floor to ceiling with sports stuff. I don't find any either of one of those things uh, good. Jim Gaffigan has a routine about people who look down on McDonald's, mm-hmm. and it's the idea that like you're like, oh, I can't believe you eat that, but like you read Us magazine, that's McDonald's. It's trash stuff <laughs> that you get into whatever it is that everybody else thinks is terrible or something like that i don't know that it applies but it made me think of it like it's just whatever your stupid thing is that you like it's your stupid thing you like whatever yeah, everyone has now it. i would say that they're not that always that they're not really that stupid but My, I, I, think I also everyone, just think like ob- no. obsession is not that's healthy. what i mean that's what i mean i think any yes. kind of obsession is not great i went to someone's house once and i think i talked about this at the time a friend of a friend, and he's he owned a comic store, and it was wall to wall, floor to ceiling comic stuff. And I was just like, I gotta get out of here. And it was not because I don't like comics. Clearly, it's just that th- this is a level of obsession <laughs> I don't even have. And I ran a comic website and web podcast, you know, like yeah, anything. But if I walk into a place and it's wall to wall figurines, uh, you know, of anything, yeah. I just you know, it's just whatever. And my point is this: if you're into something, it doesn't matter. But Ryan, read the next email. PD wants to know, let's assume that by some strange twist of fate, one or both, or I'll just edit this on the fly, all of you, Connor, Josh, and Ryan, wind up running a hot dog cart in Metropolis. Would your hot dogs be boiled or grilled? Also, would they be beef, pork, or a blend, or veggie? I can dream, question mark. I've been thinking about this for 14 hours since reading The Penguin Number 1. So if we if we had a cart in Metropolis, would we have boiled or grilled hot dogs and... Wait, as a seller or as a consumer? As a seller, if we ran a car, much like Connor Flanagan of The Penguin, who had a hot dog cart. So the question is, would they be boiled or grilled? And this is interesting to me because... Neither. I, well, all right, hold on. I had never seen a grilled hot dog cart until I moved to Los Angeles. In my 33 years of living in New York, I only saw boiled hot dog. Now, maybe they exist and I just never saw them, but to, to me... The quintessential hot dog cart features a dirty water dog, and that's what I'm going to have. Now, the dirty water dogs are they are they boiled or they're they boiled. steamed? They're, well, they're in they're in the water, but like so. This is what I'm saying is that like where I grew up, the hot dog carts they were always steamed hot dogs. They had a nice snap. The buns were also mm. steamed, so they were kind of soft. Yeah. Well, they were and they're, whatever. They're sitting in water, so I mean, I don't know if the water's actively boiling, but it's got to be. No, 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 I no. Like, well, I, my I steamed like hot dogs were not though. sitting in, but but like, how were they actually cooked in the hot water? Okay, then they were maybe boiled. not boiled. They're sort of what, blanched. Poached. I don't know. <laughs> it's they're not, poached hot dogs. You're making it sound worse every time. But that's what they are. I mean, they're they're sitting in hot water, yeah. and that's how they're cooking. That's that's I, I never. I remember seeing the first grilled cart here in L.A. And it was like it's not the same. Wait, it's so not, so like when you were in your 30s? Yeah. Wow. It wasn't like the cart in New York where they're on wheels and they move. These are like someone mm-hmm. sets it up, 
yeah. on the street and it's a it's a little portable grill and they're grilling hot dogs and usually with bacon wrapped around them outside of a bar but i had never seen that before because in new york as far as i knew it's all boiled hot dogs but you'd so, had grilled hot dogs like i'm talking about like a cart of, not no not i know i'm world. just making sure like it wasn't like the concept was yeah there. in my I'm life in my third i'd never had a grilled hot dog i'm saying you've been with me to Grace Papaya, where the hot dogs are I'm grilled. St- I'm listen, saying, I'm, I'm saying it out loud. I'm just saying a cart, just a hot dog cart. Right. I'd never seen a grilled cart before until I moved to Con- LA. Connor's kind of salty tonight, isn't he? I'm just, just <laughs> I literally have grilled hot dogs together on multiple occasions. What do you think is more useless? Knowledge of steamed hot dogs? Really, yeah. So wait, so the question is, if you ran, what would if you, you wound up running a hot dog cart in Metropolis, would your okay. hot dogs be boiled or grilled? I have I have two answers. All right. Go ahead. Uh, the hot dogs would be served with chili and coleslaw on top of them. That is not uh-huh. an answer. They'd be the dogs with themselves would be grilled with chili and and coleslaw. On That's top. fine. And then, and then it would also serve spaghetti with chili and cheese on top. What kind of cart is this? It's this stupid Cincinnati <laughs> cart is what it is, and he's well, just finding some a, other way a, to bring up his it's a, garbage chili. It's a, Fusion West Virginia Cincinnati cart because the the West Virginia slaw dog <sighs> with with coleslaw on top of it is delicious and then uh, just you know just some strong yellow mustard. Um, the the Rot- dogs <laughs> would be a blend of beef and pork, but they would also be they'd be short. They'd be like little four inchers uh, on buns to match. And this that gets worse the longer you talk about it. Yeah. I, I I'm sorry you I guys can't handle a real conversation the, about short hot dogs. The re the regional differences on the hot dog question are worse than any political differences that we have in this country. <laughs> oh my and god! Bringing, the, bringing them up is a problem. Say the word ketchup to a Chicagoan. Oh, you I will can't get your stand ass it. I spent a lot of time with Chicagoans here in LA, and it's just like I gotta hide my ketchup. Yeah, in in New England, you do ketchup on them, and they put celery salt on them, and the, and the ones that you buy are 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 steamed. That's that's how they do it. And the the problem but with that is where's that, the coleslaw? It's no coleslaw. We have chips. We have bags of chips. They have Humpty Dumpty on them. <laughs> Josh, are you grilling or boiling your hot dog cart? I, I would steam. I it's would never cart? boil. Bo- That's not boil a choice. Boil is a problem. I know. So given well, the chance. So is it a New York choice, style dirty water cart or is it a grilled cart? That's the question. It's grilled. I'd be grilled. No, no question. My How do you do that on, on a movable cart though? There's got to be do a it way. all the time. You see the flat chops. They sell the sausages out there. Hmm. There's a whole and would you sell beef, movement going on beef, now. Beef, pork, or blend, or veggie. I don't care. So I, I mean, like, should, like if you I if you want to sell to everybody, you got to have them like, already. What are like Hebrew and um uh uh, uh those are right. So those, those are, are beef. The Hebrew beef. and then the the Nathan's hot Hebrew dogs. Those National are my favorites. And Nathan's, yeah, beef. Yeah, all beef. Those are all beef. Then yes. I'd I'd give them the, I'd give the option on the veggie though. If they, if there was a good enough one, you could you can that's good. Yeah. You can offer that. These days, you need a veggie dog. So I'm going to have a boiled cart. Josh is going to have a grilled cart. Ryan's cart sounded like some sort of Willy Wonka machine <laughs> that had a lot of things going on. And that's what we would do. Page, uh, not Patreon. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in. Like Pete, Dan, and Mike, thanks for writing in. And hopefully we made it for missing it last week. And, of course, you can always write in for our Media Splode show by putting Media Splode in the subject line of the email so we know where it's from. Josh, what else we got going on? Well, the things that we got going on here are scrolling downward, for example. And then we will say that two weeks ago, the Animation Brain Trust, uh, that's you guys. That's us, uh, Paul. 
and Paul have come in with uh, some some talk on Justice League War, War World. I understand that it was uh, somewhat uh, it was spirited. Is that is what that means correct? It was divisive. divisive. That's it probably the word. I was it was for. divisive. Though. Uh, um, and then in, in sort of a, I don't think it was divisive when I spoke with Rick Remender on our Talk Explode episode. I think it was actually it was a coming together uh, of just two dudes talking about how they feel and making comics and talking about, talk about hot comics. dogs. That's all we did. I mean, not like directly, but the, 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 the metaphor was there. Was there. Yeah, yeah the implication. The implication was uh, hot dog related. Yeah, sure. Um, and then this past week, uh, or or as I hear it in my mind today, uh, Media Explode <laughs> was new podcast came out, and we did the '80s comedy draft, uh, where uh, Ron, uh, our, our former co-host Ron and and Connor and I. Uh, uh, talked about uh, we we each had a pick to draft five 80s comedy movies if you need to know more detail on it we explain it in detail at the beginning and then once we do it it's incredibly obvious what is happening. it was an so hour-long we- draft yep yep and you got yep. a lot of stories about growing up in the 80s i'm sure all oh, the sure. kids will love this yeah. oh I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're they're really happy about hearing from more mid-40s white men <laughs> And My, Officer uh, Dr. Ryan. Ryan, how is it's what, it's, sort of. what po- it's what podcasts used to be. That's right. They used to just be white dudes talking about a topic. Ryan. Um, <laughs> science sort of. <laughs> uh, uh, limping along as I as I struggle <laughs> through uh, real life stuff, but um, continues and 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 will will rise again at scienceorder.com well, your, your you episodes are, are all still available right so you could people could go yes, back and listen to three, 350 plus backlog of episodes uh, some really good ones um some that josh might even enjoy including an interview with author andy ware who wrote the martian do you talk at all He's about on yeah we we almost lost that episode i had to reach out mm. to the the not uh yeah, I had to reach out to the the cloud recording based platform, not the one we're using now, but a previous one to say, hey, can I recover the episode with the author of the <laughs> Ridley Scott's starring story that, that we just recorded? And we, we got it back. We made it work. Nice work. Good job. Thanks. So you can find all those shows over at sciencestorative.com. You can find all of our shows at ifanboy.com or on our podcast feed. I, you know, all the shows are there, over 1,300 episodes, all of our. Pick of the week shows, our special editions, our talk explodes, book explodes, media explodes, they're all there. You can find them uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, you can also follow us at iFanboyComics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out, or sometimes the best week in panels. And individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Instagram, Haupt on X. Fuck off. No. And Ryan no, Haupt on Instagram. No. Also, kind of no. Not really on any of it. <laughs> Haupt on X. And Ryan Hope on Instagram. That should be the name of your new podcast. Helped on, Helped X. on, X. on X. Is that you like you take drugs and then go to places. Or, or that's the podcast where like I transition to like being a female presenting person. Hmm. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Josh. Mm-hmm. Well, take home. well, if you uh, want to go over to youtube.com slash iFanboy, you could subscribe to that. And you will find all of our old video shows there. That's all there. The archive, the history. Maybe you have an encyclopedic knowledge of what we've done. And that is truly useless. Uh, and uh, this show will be posted there every week. It's another way to listen to it. Um, go there. Uh, poke around. Find a video. Uh, we're, we're, we're 
nominally proud of much of the work we've done there. No, we are, uh, but also, <laughs> but also not in some of aspects. Uh, it's all a growing process. What I'm saying, you could please consider writing us a review, leaving a star rating, uh, th- thumbs up on the, on the YouTube stuff. Uh, if, if your pod pod, I was going to say catcher, is that still a thing? Sure. Uh, it your, is. Podcast app of choice has that option. Please do it. We would really appreciate that review. Uh, you know, leave it, leave a rating for another podcast that you really like. Um, you know, tell them, tell them that you like them or what help people find them through those things. I mean, they could, That's they it. could smash that subscribe button. They could, True. but you could, could just do a nice normal left they could click. Hit the, they could hit the bell so they know when a new episode's coming out. I use a trackpad, so I do a tap. I do a, I do a single tap. I'm wrapping it up. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I go last, Officer Ryan. I'm Officer Ryan <laughs> reporting for duty. But- <laughs> My name is Connor Flanagan, hot dog magnate of Gotham. Nope, Metropolis. Damn it. But this brand new tattoo But it's a real beauty I'm Mexican cutie